Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. everyone welcome back to another episode of life's but a song a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals i'm your host john and with me today is the spookiest the shadiest of all ladies it's shady everyone hi hi <laughs> what, <laughs> what a marvelous introduction thank you because it's halloween shady it is i'm this excited episode is out on halloween oh, this, uh, it is halloween right now yes it's oh. literally halloween <laughs> surprise right Secret treat. Yes. yes it is halloween when this episode comes out surprise <laughs> keeping it and we're here today to talk about not a musical, but it has musical moments. It does. <laughs> Slumber Party Massacre 2. Now, why the second one? Because the first one didn't have music really in it. No, not 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 any numbers. No, and then this one, the driller killer put the drill in a guitar, which was fun. So <laughs> yes. much fun. Uh, this movie, Slumber Party Massacre 2, came out in 1987. It is written and directed by Deborah Brock. And according to IMDb, Courtney Bates, the younger sister of Valerie, and her friends go to their condo for the for a weekend getaway. But Courtney can't get rid of the haunting feeling that a supernatural rockabilly driller killer is coming to murder them all. I mean, if that doesn't sell you on this movie. What did we watch? <laughs> um, Was this a movie? This was a movie. Was this, this was a, movie? a movie? Okay. This, this was let's start movie? let's start with that. Cuz <laughs> Cuz okay, okay. So you told me I didn't have to watch the first one and now after reading that IMDb summary I was like, "Who's who's Valerie?" I mean, <laughs> they mentioned it in the movie, but like Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's um ostensibly a sequel to the first one in that the main character is one of the survivors of the previous movie. And now she is once again being hunted down by the driller killer, who is a man with a large power drill and like very psychosexual vibes to the whole thing. Um, but he's not at all the same man from the first movie. No. And the driller, <laughs> the, can I read you this fun fact right now? Yes. Because I found this on IMDb and I lost my shit. So the driller killer played by. Atanas Illich? Eilich? Huh? Sure. Uh, he is the son of Christopher Eilich, CEO and founder of Little Caesars Pizza Company. Oh my God. This is pizza royalty. Pizza royalty. Pizza, pizza <laughs> royalty. Oh, pizza, pizza royalty. Oh my God. You're so right. Wow. So, <laughs> so I mean, this movie. So we're starting off on the right foot there. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't they have Little Caesars as its sponsor or something? Or something? I mean, you are missing out on prime marketing opportunities here, right? PepsiCo said yes to this movie. They have a Diet Pepsi can in it. <laughs> and they said yes to featuring one of their products in this, in this 
<laughs> garbage movie. It's garbage. I'm sorry. It is. This movie is fantastic. I it's, love this movie. <laughs> it's also a trash to piece. <laughs> this is a five out of five star movie for me. <laughs> so um, you preface this series of movies because there's what, like mm-hmm. four or five of them? There are, there's this, uh, the first one, this one, Slumber Party Massacre 3, and then recently a remake of the original mm-hmm. Slumber Party Massacre on Sci-Fi. But you sold me on this with um, <laughs> the fact, what did you say? Like the writer and director didn't know what exactly they were doing? So the original movie, the first movie, which Deborah Brock was not the writer nor the, dir- the director for that one. No. But the screenwriter of that one was writing it intentionally as a parody of slasher movies. And the director directed it as a straightforward slasher movie. Um, I want I want to give them credit <laughs> real quick. Hold on. So, yes. and your other fun fact about it is that I'm leading you onto this one about the mm. writers and directors of the series. Yes, this is the only ma- the only slasher franchise where every single entry was both written and directed by women. Nary a man to be found on the writing or directing crews. Good for them. Good for them, which Rita, is no- notable for slashers. Rita Mae Brown was this wrote the screenplay, and a and Amy Holden Jones was the director, and also did an uncredited job, like I guess pass at the screenplay. Okay, of the okay. original movie. Yeah, so she did she did a rewrite. So Rita is the one that's like, let's make fun of horror of slasher movies, and yeah. Amy was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure what went down there. I do. But that is like the famous thing about it, that Rita Mae Brown wrote Slumber Party Massacre intentionally as this over the top. Look how stupid these uh, slasher Mm -hmm. movies always make the female characters out to be. We're going to make fun of that. And then uh, it got to the directing process and she was like, no, I will do it straight faced. (laughs) Well, uh, it will be. It is it's a straightforward slasher movie. That's just what it is. Can which I... is a very interesting combination. Which I did I have seen that. It is there okay. are moments though where you're just like, huh, this is smart. Like like yeah. Like um the precursor to like Kevin Williamson and Scream and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. and Wes, Cra- Wes Craven and everything. And maybe, was this around the same time as, I think this was around the same time as Friday the 13th 6, which is the one that has parody moments. Yeah, I think that one was 86. This one is 87, right? 87, yes. I, I want to say it's like between 85 to 88, a great year. Yeah. A very good year. <laughs> for for a slasher movie, yes. <laughs> oh no, uh, I'm I I I meant oh, oh, well, I mean 1988 is a great year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah, best yeah. year. <laughs> but like I feel like Fred, you know what? We have computers. <laughs> we can look this up, John. J oh 86 is uh Friday the 13th. So Friday the 13th part six came Jason Lives came out in 1986, a year before this one. Which, just as a side note, I've always thought that if they ever made a musical, a stage musical adaptation of any Friday the 13th movie, it should be that one only so they could call it Friday the 13th, part six, Jason lives live, exclamation point. Um, Jason lives live. Yes. Yeah. 
and then uh but just keep the friday the 13th part six part of it you have to you have to you have to it's part six of that saga plus it's really funny when things have really long <laughs> titles for no reason it's also funny when things are sequel are numbered like a sequel when they're not actually a sequel like this one <laughs> exactly because like they're not even the same performers from the first no movie. no not a single of the same characters valerie pops up very briefly and it's a completely different actress crystal mm-hmm. bernard of wings fame for anyone who's like super into 1990s oh. sitcoms <laughs> she plays courtney in this but she was not in the first one um no but their characters I, were in the first one played by two different actresses and like yeah. i believe courtney was like 12 or something in that movie yeah she's supposed to be like middle school aged like she's trying to hang out with the high school girls mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so also starring in this movie is gran from charmed oh yeah uh jennifer rhodes when she popped up on screen i was just like gran because also i was just like well it's okay you listed um what's her name crystal bernard and i was just like watching the opening credits i was like who are these actresses who are these people who are these performers these actors do i know any of them and then all of a sudden grand grand showed up and i was just like oh i guess i just need to know your name yeah um there are two two of the four girls in the band there's crystal bernard Mm -hmm. then there's the blonde who i don't know from anything else uh, but the other two girls, Sheila and Sally, both of those actresses were in Friday the 13th movies. Well, do you want to know why you don't know Kimberly MacArthur? Why don't I know her? Because she's a playmate. A playboy playmate. Oh, that makes so much sense. She's got a great body. Good for her. Um, also, f- another fun fact from IMDb. Um, yes. Speaking of Kimberly MacArthur, um, <laughs> even though she is a former playmate, she had it stipulated in her contract that she wouldn't do any nude scenes because after taking her clothes off in her three previous films, she was trying to distance herself from nudity. So good for oh, her. Plus yeah. also, I mean, if she's a playmate, like you're, you're yeah. naked all the time. Yeah. But she's like, can I do something different this time? Keep mm-hmm. a shirt on. <laughs> and she was the other movies prior to this. Um, oh, she's got some. She's got some acting credits. Um, what? Oh, she was. There's three movies. I don't know which one she. Which ones? I guess all three of these were the ones that she was naked in. Was Malibu Express, Easy Money, and Young Doctors in Love? Oh wait, I've heard of Easy Money. I've not seen it. Uh, because Rodney Dangerfield stars in it. It's a Rodney Dangerfield movie. Yes. Okay. So of course she shows her boobs. Yeah, I mean, Um, (laughs) and then uh, the actress who plays Sheila, who goes full topless in this movie, which hilarious, hilarious. Juliet Cummins, who was all in Friday the 13th, part five, which she's also topless in, which, you know, fine. Good for her. She's not the one that's like, here's Johnny in the bathroom and shows. No, she is the girl in the in the halfway home who the one guy wants to sleep with and she laughs at him. Oh, and then she goes to bed, takes off her shirt and she gets stabbed through the bed. Sure. 
or something like that. <laughs> there's there's a reason she's in a bunk bed, even though there's nobody else in the room with her. That's so that Jason can stab her through the mattress or something. And then um, Heidi Kozak Haddad, who plays Sally in this one. I'm fucking up her last name. Not sorry. That's okay. Uh, well, in this movie, she was just Heidi Kozak. So I assume Haddad is her married name. She's also in a Friday the 13th. She is. She is in Friday the 13th, part seven, The New Blood. And she is the girl who goes skinny dipping and gets drowned by Jason. She's also in a great underrated horror movie from the 80s called Society. Highly recommend if you want to watch a movie that's anti-capitalist and anti-rich people. So basically, (laughs) the reason why we can argue that this one deserves to be on this podcast is because Crystal, Amy is the character's name that you couldn't remember. Sheila and Sally are in a girl band. All girl band, you know, they're playing instruments and everything. Sally's the drummer, right? Yes, Sally's the drummer. Love that. (laughs) She has has a cute outfit when they are doing the garage band, when they're in the garage and they are playing their song. They are playing, wait, If Only um which was written so the two songs that they play on screen and everything one is written by christy callahan and kelly oh sorry christy callan and kelly callan and why the other one that they play in the beach house or whatever it is the condo Mm -hmm, yeah is written by heidi roadwald Roadwald? oh another getting another Heidi involved okay right but both of them I I I did some research for once both of them were performed by like written for and performed by the band called Wednesday Week they are um reading off their Wikipedia page yes they do have a Wikipedia page everyone (laughs) Uh, they are an American rock band formed in LA in 1983 uh they released two albums and then split up in 1990 uh, with some of the members forming another band called Lucky. And the songs that were both in this movie are from their album, What We Had. So I thoroughly love those songs they are fun they are these are the fun 80s that everyone these days yeah, is talking about and very like almost they're not quite the go-go's but they're like in a similar scene but like why are these girls friends or how are these girls friends i told i see i'm gonna disagree with you there i totally buy their friendship this is like one of the few movies where i'm like i totally see how these people hang out with each other but like I'm also very confused about Courtney and her story because it's because oh, it's all kinds of fucked up. <laughs> the, like well, the timeline. Yes, because it seems like they moved as a family. Question mark. Did yeah. they move? That's I don't know. The impression I got because it seems like the rest of these girls don't really know the full extent of what happened to her. And Amy just knows like. Like yeah, surface the, area. Right. And if they lived in the same town where it happened, they would have heard about it. They would know more about it. Yes. Because like yeah, she in, would be in, a celebrity. That, right. In that first movie, what like nine people are killed or something? Something like that, yeah. And like three people survive. That's also a notable thing for that movie is like fairly early on in the slasher boom, and it had three survivors instead of only one or two. 
Mm-hmm. And um, then and then we get this movie where I'm very <laughs> confused as to what's happening yeah. on screen. It's entirely plausible that everyone's dead. It's entirely plausible that no one's dead. So I have <laughs> theories. Yes. <laughs> Theory number one. Courtney's actually the killer and is imagining mm, this she's person. She's projecting it onto this imagined Imagine killer. Jo- who may be like Who's- a rock star in this universe or something. Right, who also, but like, it's all because this is very clearly tying the massacre to her like sexual uh, awakening. Drive. Yeah. Yeah, because they say don't clear- go all the way. Yeah, 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 there's like, and, and I mean, I mean, and it's from the first movie too. That's why they specifically chose a gigantic power drill was mm-hmm. to make it the most ridiculously over the top phallic symbol that he murders people with. Didn't think of it that way. Thank you for yeah. introducing that to me. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't even, but like, I didn't connect the dots. I yeah. also, I also watched this movie in a Starbucks and then all of a sudden <laughs> there were boobs on screen and I was just like, oh no, yeah. oh no, everyone. Which, by the way, I, fucking love that this movie one of the girls goes topless because she's literally just like oh i accidentally tore my shirt i don't know how oh wait i spilled champagne on my bra let me take it off and then they've got the guys peeking in going i didn't know girls actually did this which which that is that is one of those scenes where it totes the line of like is this supposed to be like oh it's entirely self-aware in that moment okay i i hope it was. i mean there's i mean little secret as somebody who went to a lot of slumber parties usually we didn't all dance around topless usually what and we certainly didn't have pillow fights where the feathers fell out perfectly like that what <laughs> this is fiction what yeah. are you saying shady this I is brand new it. information <laughs> i never knew this um <laughs> shocked i am shocked so theory number two Mm. this is all a dream yeah that's the one i'm inclined to go with i think the ending implies that courtney has been in the mental institution the entire time well and all of these characters are part of or like a figment of her imagination well so this is um this is where this theory breaks up into two parts where one of them is the mental institution route. The Mm -hmm. other one is that because no one really dies until after she has sex. So maybe it's like a post coital dream. Mm. Cause like she, she envisions her sister and that's probably because of trauma. Like I'm the, the dreams of the trauma, but then also like she's, she's psychically linked to this person yeah she kind of dream it's and there's a few there's a couple uh nightmare on elm street shout outs for a reason in this movie but like they do owe quite a bit to that because he is just a person she dreamed up at first in this movie right and then also and then he's not brought into the real world to start killing people until she loses her virginity like you said so i don't I don't, I don't know what I watched. Uh huh. But, but well, I mean, there was she got attacked by a chicken. Yes, there was uh, the somebody's, blood. Somebody's head explodes from a pimple, but then they're alive. Which um, okay, did that scene actually happen, or did she? Because because Sally skipped out 
and was yeah. gone with a with a dude that she may have slept with question mark yeah. <laughs> so my interpretation of it is that the conversation that they have at first actually happened and then sally says something about like oh i gotta get new zit cream and i think what like the quote-unquote reality is mm-hmm. that she told courtney i'm gonna run to the store if anyone asks where i am that's where i am but courtney like for whatever reason blanked that out and had this whole other hallucination of Sally's zit getting bigger, overtaking her whole head, and then popping, um, which is why Sally didn't tell anyone else that she was going out to the store. So because she had told Courtney. So, <laughs> so would you? Okay, so I don't even want to classify this as a slasher because I don't think it. it it's only it, a slasher yeah. in the last twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, literally, the, the the massacre is. An afterthought. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a main part of the title. It's only a slasher because it's following up on a movie that was a slasher. Um by oh, I wrote sexy slumber party. Check. Uh <laughs> but also I think this is more of a psychological thriller. Because, hmm. like, I mean, it's about I feel like it's really about trauma from the first yeah. movie. Yeah, it's she's got she clearly has PTSD. She's having these hallucinations and it is this she doesn't know what's real and what isn't anymore and her friends who want to help her and support her also don't want to feed into the delusion that a chicken jumped out of the refrigerator and attacked her. But also <laughs> at least cuz like Sheila I feel like is the Regina George of this group. Yeah, I, yeah, she's definitely, like, the rich bitch. Mm-hmm. It's also her family's condo that they're staying in, and, like, you right. know, it's very clear, oh, my dad won't notice that we did all this, or if he does, he'll think it was my brother who did it instead. And like, then, she, she's definitely, like, a spoiled little rich girl. And then Sally is, um... The Karen? Yes. But, like... <laughs> the Karen Smith. But, like, not that dumb. No, she's not. I wouldn't say she's dumb. I would say she's a little ditzy. She's ditzy, but like she's also she's also very concerned. Like all of them are nice, are are very concerned for their friend who yeah. they may have known for three years, two years, who knows. Yeah. Um, that's also where I was confused. Where I was just like, how long were you actually friends? Because like yeah. it, it feels like she was friends with Amy first. Courtney was friends with Amy first, and then Amy was like, let me introduce you to my friends. Yeah. I'm over to the dark side. I'm Gretchen Wieners. <laughs> uh, if I might write in my own backstory here. Okay. Courtney moved to this town uh, right after the events of the last movie. So of she's course, been yes. here for. So these are the people that she befriended because they were looking for a new guitarist for their band. And she was like, I play guitar. Oh. And like, I think that's how she became friends with them was by joining the band first. And see, I read it as they were friends first. And they were and one day they were like, you know, it'd be fun if we just <laughs> if if for the talent mm. show. Cause it, we, le- it's, we just learned how to play instruments and become a band. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's completely valid too. Cause they're cause the backstory of all of them for this movie is that they're practicing for the school dance prom, whatever, one of those things. Yeah, yeah. There's they got a, a gig. There's an event at the school that they're practicing for. So you're like, okay setup great 
And they're going to an abandoned condo mm-hmm. that Sheila, Sheila's parents own mm-hmm. to practice. And they're yeah. like, cool. So boys, not the first night. The second night you can come over and we will have sexy time. But not the first night because we're going to have a sexy slumber party time. And maybe mm. practice. Mm. Which they do all of that. They do do all of that. Yeah. But the boys didn't listen to them and they showed up the first night. And I was just like, boys, you need to listen. <laughs> Women are setting their boundaries. Listen and respect it. Yes. Um, yeah. Also, it's Courtney's birthday. And also, her and her mom were supposed to go visit Valerie in the mental institution the weekend of Courtney's birthday. And she's like, oh, no, I'm so I sorry. Think I, I forgot. I think I'd rather go have fun with my friends on my birthday, which I'm going to be honest, completely fair request. I think a teenager should be able to have fun on her birthday and not go see her sister in Christ. Like, yes, it's the nice idea to go see your family for your birthday. But at the same time, if it's going to bring up like trauma, trauma. For you, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. What? Was that the <laughs> linchpin of this whole thing? Because she didn't really have the nightmares until I guess, did that, is that what, wait, or am I misremembering things? I don't know. <laughs> okay, we will have to, oh, fuck, I have to rewatch this movie, god damn it. Uh, <laughs> it was, because like, because like, there's a lot of these slasher movies, especially in the 80s, where they're like, we love Prom Night 2 because of the campiness of it. Yes. Hello, Mary Lou. This, I didn't feel like had enough camp to it for me to be like, oh, I love this movie. I wanted a little more camp. Just a little. Just a little. Just like another little sprinkle. You don't you don't love the driller killer singing to one of his victims? Oh, my God. Haunting her. Yes. And that is the third and final song that is sung in universe, which is called Let's Buzz, written by John L- Duke Logan. Yes. John Duke Logan. Duke. Like Duke with a J? Duke with a J. Okay. Um, <laughs> and I, because I wrote down like little moments when these songs happen because I don't know sometimes. And the whatever I found online, they were out of order. So sorry, you got the ones that are out of order. Um, <laughs> but yes, he sings that while he's murdering Sheila. Okay, maybe I'm coming around to this movie because it's so dumb. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Also, can we talk about in that scene, her friends, Courtney and Amy, are in the room barricaded in and they hear her screaming and they're like, oh, let's go help her. But then they hear the driller killer singing and they're like, nah, they re-barricade the door and they're like, bye, Sheila. No, well... <laughs> I didn't know if they were trying to let her in and they were like, oh my God, this dresser that we moved here like minutes ago is now so heavy. We can't move it. Oh, mm." and I was just like, definitely start moving it back. uh, They're definitely just like, nice knowing you, Courtney, Sheila. Goodbye. And poor Sheila's just right there, like, oh my god, let me in. Also, this when Sally gets killed by the driller killer, and she's cornered up against the wall, and there's a doorway right next to her. Yes. Mm-hmm. An open doorway that she could just walk through, and she's like, nah. And where where her in. friends are, where her friends try are. to call the cops, and she's standing <laughs> on the opposite side of the, the wall, 
going, no, Mr. Man with the driller, with the drill on the guitar, don't kill me. Yeah. And then ah, he shoves beautiful. it through her chest, which. And then the drill pops through the phone. So also, I thought it was Matt, Courtney's boyfriend, for a hot second because he was too nice. Mm, but like nice. i feel like that's a newer trope like I in, like, in yeah. the, like in the 2000s i mean not like in the last two years like yeah you know, may, maybe like well yeah. especially in the last few years especially the nice guy that lynn has definitely oh, taken wait. off 96 scream the boyfriend oh uh, well yeah i mean he was not a very nice boyfriend though <laughs> right but like at least it was the boyfriend as... yeah um but also like they set up this like great guy who's like barely in the movie and then is like killed almost instantly as soon as people actually start getting killed i know I, like, I'm like, on... that's how we know the driller killer is real because matt's dead <laughs> but can we also talk about her sex dreams <laughs> yes <laughs> where he's throwing a football shirtless and like He's 80s hot. I will say that. He's not like, you know, how today it's Chris Hemsworth playing a teenager and he's ripped to the gods, <laughs> Thorpon everyone. But hey, <laughs> oh, but like he's he's got muscle, not like pure, not like jacked or like with all the definition and everything. And I was just he's like, he's got a good head of hair. He's got a good head of hair. And I was just yeah. like, what about any of this? I love the opening of this movie is like pure like like softcore porn for women with like the soft lighting and like the tinkly music and him like like, playing with a football and throwing it and she's in bed just like oh I'm having a sex dream Uh, (laughs) oh yeah and then all of a sudden she had oh wait no it does start at the beginning i was wrong it's not the mom that triggers it it's this movie that triggers it from the get (laughs) or all of a sudden she's just like oh no mr killer man you're gonna kill Uh, my sister and also psychic in a way yeah so maybe this but like maybe this does play into our theory that she's dreaming this in a psych ward the movie's only an hour and 15 minutes <laughs> it's so short it's so long <laughs> like like they are just chit-chatting about nothing for like an hour <laughs> and then murder happens but like because <laughs> because like one of these like the chicken attacks her allegedly and then <laughs> And then all of a sudden they're back to being like, ah, you're silly. Let's go in the pool. Blah, 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 let's, blah, blah. Let's have a montage where we're washing a car together. <laughs> this is so funny. Oh my God. <laughs> it's great. She, love- they, they make lunch at one point. The boys make lunch, which I thought, I thought that was funny <laughs> that the girls got the boys to make lunch. And she takes a bite into her burger, but she hallucinates that it's a bloodied hand. And they're all just like, Oh, I guess you got too drunk last night. Have a chicken sandwich. <laughs> mm-hmm. Amazing. It's amazing. I love this movie. <laughs> uh, but like, there's also another moment. Um, since this is a musical podcast, I need to bring up the music one more time. Mm. Uh, there, So there's the two band practice songs. There's the one song by the Drilla Killer. And then there is Tokyo Convertible written by 
John Coinman that they sing in the car yeah. on the way to school. So I wanna be your Tokyo convertible. I wanna ride with you. Why isn't this a full blown musical? It's a great question, John. It should be. I want to know, Deborah. Okay, Deborah Brock, I'm speaking directly to you right now because I know you're listening to this episode. Yes. Was there cut? Is there like cutting room floor moments that we can like maybe add to a director's cut question mark? Or like, did she pitch it as a musical and they were like, "Mm, we'll give you three numbers. I feel like I would have loved at least one more song from the band. Mm hmm. Like, before the sexy pillow fight happens. Mm, Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there should be a song that segues into that. And then, oh, wait, there is another another song that isn't titled. Did I write it down? Did I write it down? Oh, I just wrote boobs after Hell's Cafe. Um, Oh, yes, 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 yes. So Sally is writing a song. Mm. She mentions it earlier, and there's a payoff, which I believe is called Pie in the Sky. There is no yeah. title for it. I couldn't find it anywhere. I don't know who wrote it. I want to say Deborah Brock maybe wrote it and was just like, sing something. <laughs> but like, I feel like as a band, right before, like a scene before the sexy pillow fight, just, yeah. one, just one more bop. I think, I think a song could have segued into the sexy pillow fight. Or... They st- yes, there they started, and then it's their disembodied. Uh, disembodied what, 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 what word do I want to say? Where it'll disembodied voices. Disembodied voices. Thank you. Go into the the them hanging out with all of the junk food ever in the world. Yeah, and a bottle of champagne and bottles of champagne because there's like there's yes. at least two, which I was just like Greece. <laughs> It's a dessert wine. Yes. Um, oh my god. What? What else? It was. A, did we? This is a. This is a fun movie. I mean, it's not scary, really, by any means. No. Oh um, no, no, no. If you're scared by this, I mean, unless unless you are affected by traumatic events, then trigger warning. But like, yeah. also not. I don't know. If you're gonna have fun with friends and. Uh, especially on today, Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. Uh, <laughs> if you want like a fun, bad 80s movie to like hang out with friends and yeah, it's, drink it's or whatever. It's so goofy. The grossest moment, the grossest death is also the most ridiculous and also not a real death. And that's the giant pimple, pimple. popping head explode. <laughs> yes, that is. I mean, the chicken is a little disturbing too, but like that's that that is not as bad as the pimple yeah and the pimple is not even scary it's just gross i mean if you've got like a real thing about pimples maybe it's scary Mm -hmm. and like you have to think about it this this actress had to sit in makeup and have that apply to her that's amazing i would love that to be my job (laughs) just to sit in a makeup chair and be like add a pimple keep make it bigger 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 (laughs) (laughs) have Uh, pus pop out of my head uh um is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into sharp and flat uh no i think everything else i wanted to say would fall under sharp and or flat great let's get into it sharp flat so in this section we're going to highlight some moments whether or not we talked about it if we liked it it's sharp and if we didn't like it or thought it could change it's 
flat. You know what? It's Halloween. Let's end on a high note. So we're oh. gonna start. We're gonna start with flats. I've been doing that a lot recently. Uh, you know why not? Why not end on positivity? Maybe I should change it. I don't you know. Shook things up. I love that. I love I, that. I love. Can I go first with my chart with my flats? I mean, yes. Go ahead. Please don't hate me. But when the dreams turned into montages, I was very confused, and I didn't like it. Because <laughs> I, because I'm like, I feel like this movie was supposed to be an hour and a half, and then somehow they cut out 15 minutes. There's a lot with those dream sequences, especially, and like the parts where they're cutting in footage from the first movie, mm-hmm. and sometimes they're cutting in footage that happens later in this movie. Yes. And it yes. does feel like, okay, there was something here that they cut out for time and they were like, I guess this is good enough. <laughs> or some sort of explanation moment. Because wait, isn't there a moment at the very end of the movie where Courtney is in the mental institution? Yes. So it we are ends, right. Yeah. It ends with her waking up from a nightmare in a mental institution and then a drill, a power drill ripping through the floor. But we don't know if she's been there the whole time or if she's been institutionalized after this has all happened. True. So, yes. It's highly ambiguous. (laughs) Um, I also am flatting Officer Kruger and Officer uh, Voorhees. Mm. Good names. Good names. Great names. Obviously, they're they're roping people in with those names. Uh, Actually, (laughs) we only hear one of their names, and I believe it's Kruger. But, like, mm-hmm. they were assholes. Yeah. I get it. I get it. In horror movies, cops and adults are not supposed to be trusted because, like, they don't, they, they lost their innocence or whatever. And they don't. And it would make the movie too short if the cops believed them. Right. But, like, they were douchebags. And then they're yeah. like, you know what? We're going to pound some 40s. Peace out. Like, they as well <laughs> said that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also didn't like Sheila's boyfriend, but I don't think he's flat worthy enough because I think we're not supposed to like him. Yeah, I have. I actually have a sharp regarding him, but he is like just a noxious character. Right. Like, like, like these... he's a noxious personality, but that is very much the point. He's the friend nobody likes. Yeah. These flats that I had, though, easily fixable. He, for him, though, that is his character. Yeah. Like you, and like, obviously, we're in. Um. Uh, we're we're in the 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 thick of slasher movies at this point in the eighties, and so mm. they have t- they character have, types. Yeah. So, and yeah. they they do need somebody to be overly antagonistic towards Courtney because so many people are just like trying to like treat her softly. It helps dramatize the situation to have one person who's like, "You're fucking lying. You're fucking crazy." He's and the like, one that throw her in the pool, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a bad person. I, I do have a sharp regarding his, the treatment of his character. Okay, okay. Now. But let's, let's but do I'll your flats that. first. So I agree. I agree with your flats, uh, everything you just said. My big flat for the movie, and I think we pretty much already alluded to it, it should just be a proper musical. It should have... Like, and so, I w- what's really funny, listeners, what's really funny, here's some a little more background <laughs> information. Shady thought this was going to be my flat where there's not enough and you know what i don't think i i think it's more of a want rather than a flat Mm. for me for me personally like i'm okay with what we have but like i would love 
more yeah. music, obviously. Well, yeah. And I, I would love for the massacre part of the title to be, which again, we alluded to, I, I wish more of the movie was the actual massacre itself. And like, I think if you make it a musical, a proper musical, you add in musical numbers to help pad out that part of the movie. Cause like, cause like, I thought this was going to be like stage fright, that, that movie that, is, yeah. that I did it last year where it's set at a musical theater camp. Yeah. Like I thought the killer was going to be the singer. Mm-hmm. and he gets one song and I was just like come on guys like I know. May- maybe also <laughs> add another song for him or or like justify why he's a rocker like I don't understand why he's a rocker yeah that's a f- okay added flat see the- no I'm okay with that because it's so fucking random that I'm like okay but like if there yeah, was sure he's rockabilly fine <laughs> if, if there was but like Maybe I need to rewatch it just so I could see the set set decoration because maybe he's on a poster somewhere. I I'm, I've seen this movie several times. I've never seen anything that alludes to any sort of explanation for it, and I'm honestly okay with it because I think it's funnier if it's if there's no reason. But I feel like I feel I like I think it's funnier and more interesting to I, me personally. I like when things don't have explanations for everything. Deborah, Deborah Brock, re, just rework this movie <laughs> to be a musical, please. I, I would love that. I like, mean, I want a proper slasher musical. We do have stage fright, like you said before, but the, even that quote unquote justifies the songs by having it set at a musical theater camp. I want a full blown musical oh, slasher you want. with no like no real reason for the musical numbers like even I love the songs that they play as a band and I love that they are a band in this movie I think that's a really cool twist to the slasher formula but like it would also be fun if like Courtney had an I want song out of nowhere in the beginning of the movie oh my god yes like like a proper musical musical <laughs> but yeah Deborah, so I'm, I, I'm giving that a flat. Uh, to be fair, a lot of what I'm saying would also just radically alter what kind of movie it is. I don't care. This is amazing. <laughs> well, maybe it won't be an I want. It'll be an I want like song because mm. like, I mean, she doesn't really have a major want besides wanting to hang out with her friends and that will make a bad oh. song in a way. You know what? That's another thing I'm going to flag. You just made me think this movie, and again, this is very, very typical for slashers. So it's part of the genre, like just part of the genre. But this movie does not give the characters any, like for very young characters, they don't really have any actual ambitions except for Sally, who wants to write that song. Mm. But otherwise, oh. Their, oh. Their, their whole motivation is just we want to have a fun weekend, which is fine. But you get a better sense of character if you have an idea of what they want to do with their future. And then you can feel a greater loss when they're killed very young. Right. But also, I, I guess, build upon this dance that they're practicing for. Yeah. Like, like further. Or, like, talk about that, what they're going to do in I, college. Yeah, I don't care about the dance. Like, it's fine. That's what they're practicing for. Okay. But, like, I want an idea of, like, okay, she wants to be a rock star. She wants to, like, she actually has... a. Uh, she, she doesn't know how to break it to the band that she wants to go off to college next year and leave the rest of them. And like something uh-huh. that would actually like give these characters a life outside of this one weekend that they're having together. Because are they, they are seniors or they're juniors? 
I'm assuming they're seniors. I don't know if they actually say. I feel like if they they talk about college, other or I'm making or I'm confusing this with other movies that I've seen outside of this podcast. Yikes! Oh no, it's just. But again, so I'm going to flat this movie for that. But that is again part of the slasher formula is that the characters rarely have a life outside of what they're doing immediately in the movie so while somebody is writing friday the 13th part six jason lives live exclamation point exclamation point we will be (laughs) writing slumber party massacre 2 the musical (laughs) for (laughs) the sci-fi channel yes (laughs) or the stage or the stage John, right. you your priorities are set so much straighter than mine. <laughs> well, because we'll start we'll start with one and then go to the other. How's that? Because mm, it has to okay. it has to be there. We need it on stage, and then we need the movie version of it so we can mm-hmm. talk about it yet again on this podcast. Uh, um, can I go with my sharps first? Yes, go for it. Sally's pink outfit at the beginning when she's being a drummer. Yeah. The bow, the fuck it, or the scrunchie or whatever in her hair. Yeah. Like, like, like these women, they are feminine as fuck. And like, they are playing rock music. And I was just like, you know what? Kudos. Bravo. Yeah. Love it. I love it. I love it. I, I mean, think it's aspirational. More, more teenage girls pick up an instrument, start a band. Don't we change your style yeah. either. Um, I also like so there's there's the song Hell's Cafe that plays during um them having the 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 pillow fight and everything and they do choreography to it that I believe was meant for another song but I'm still sharpening it because it's bonkers um <laughs> the choreo yes yeah. it's like oh this is this is this to this song what's going on here? <laughs> I know. It's so funny. I know exactly what you're talking about. Love it. And then my final sharp is the Driller Killers music puns. Amazing. Oh, okay. I'm moving on to my sharps. I'm just going to sharp everything about the Driller Killers in this movie. <laughs> the, come on, the music, him. the song puns that he does. Uh, uh, yeah, all of, all of his one-liners are genuinely entertaining. Uh, it's a really... I think a great performance by Mr. Caesar's Pizza Jr. Little Caesar's Pizza Jr. Little Caesar's yes. Pizza Jr. Uh-huh. Great performance. I he should have been a star. <laughs> um I think it's funny. I love that he's rockabilly for no reason, that his drill is now on a guitar for no reason. <laughs> well, besides phallic symbol, phallic symbol. Well, phallic symbol, phallic symbol. Uh, <laughs> um yeah, I love everything about him. And his song is extremely fun. Uh, what, buzz. What, are, what are your other sharps? My other sharps, uh, I am going to sharp, because I talked about this before. I don't love JT because he's, his personality is obnoxious. He's mean, whatever. But I do like that in movies like this, there's usually that one friend and you're just kind of like, why do they hang out with him? This mm-hmm. one, I kind of get it. Because he's dating Sheila and you really get the impression that she doesn't even like him that much. They just have really good sex. Mm. And like, even like Sheila at one point, like she's like pretty like quick to be like, shut the fuck up JT or like, stop doing that JT. Like, so since this episode, we liked making backstory for everyone. Let's can, let's make a backstory for him. And I have one in mind. Ooh. Ooh. Matt is dating Courtney, right? 
Yes. Yes. So Matt is clearly on the football team because of the sex dreams. Mm, yeah. So maybe JT and Matt are on the football team together and are right. somewhat friendly because like one's the QB and one's another part who, cause I know sports. Um, <laughs> the QB and the other part. Yeah. 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 So, so <laughs> because they have to like be uh, copacetic with each other, right? No. Since they have to be like in sync with each other, um, maybe that's why they hang out. And like, because maybe because Matt started dating Courtney first and was hanging out with them, uh, mm. JT tagged along and then was like, hey, Sheila, want to fuck? And she was like, yes, let's fuck. And then yeah. they have great sex. Yeah, because we do hear them have sex. And it sounds like they're both having a great time. Mm-hmm. And even Sally's just like, yeah, they do this all the time. Yeah. And like, I do get the idea that like JT, and it kills me to say somebody as obnoxious as him, probably has a really big dick. Well, he does have big dick energy. Yeah, there's but, just, he's overconfident. But, <laughs> but also like he was also going along. So he, he's, also, he's also a layered character because he was also going along with uh, Courtney's psychotic episodes with like seeing the, the Sally die and like he was yeah. he was there he didn't call her out on her shit he yeah. was that's true he did supportive yeah he's not he's not completely irredeemable I guess is the thing oh my god can he get a power ballad in this song in the musical <gasps> version oh he should get like his own I want song but like in the second act so it's yes or so it's like like he's like He's the secondary character who suddenly has a big solo. Or in the, he's the second act. He's the tenor belter in the show. Ah, oh, yes. And we get some sick, like, um, like eighties uh, hair band high notes <gasps> screlting. Yes. We got, we got to write this. Oh uh, my god, we're doing this. Okay, one more. I have final sharp. Okay. Other than the whole movie, because I love this movie. <laughs> um. But my other sharp, and this is just a thing where they subvert the typical horror movie thing. Typical horror movie, somebody goes missing early on, everyone else notices they're missing, and they go, oh, they must have gone to the store. And it turns out that later on they find out that person's dead. They come across their dead body. This movie, somebody goes missing, and somebody's like, they died. And everybody else is like, I mean, okay, oh, let's okay. let's call the cops. Let's treat this like she's fucking dead. Sorry, I keep cursing all over the place. Happy Halloween. Happy um, Halloween. This is explicit content. Yeah. But like, so they all, all the characters treat it as like, oh my God, she's dead. And she went to the store. <laughs> like they right. completely reverse that. And I think it's done in a really fun way, really entertaining way. That's not like super like, hey, audience, do you see what we're doing? You see, we're, you thought we were going to do the thing that we did the other thing. Like, <laughs> I, I think it's really, it's one of the things in this movie that I think is genuinely quite clever without having to be too obvious about it. And uh, yeah. I to that. You know what? Yes. Yes. They, <laughs> well, because like the humor in this one, unlike the other, the first one, if I remember correctly, uh-huh. the humor for this one is like, a couple layers deep Mm -hmm. because like that's that's funny now you're explaining the joke like there are some blatant jokes in this one but there's also some other ones that like if you rewatch it you're like you know what this is funny 
yeah this is like a parody yeah i will say for the record i do love the first one too uh it's not as much as i love this one and that is like just a mess of a movie tonally probably because one person thought it was a parody <laughs> and one person did not <laughs> Those two people were very important to the process of getting it made. And they didn't talk to each other while the dailies were coming yeah. out. It was just like, what's happening here? Yeah. Uh, would you add? And I will say for the record, the third one, dog shit, like not even enjoyable on the same kind of level that these two are. How about the Sci Fi Channel one? Pretty good. Like, is that one a real horror movie or do, are they also doing a parody? I mean, they're also doing a parody, but like in a way where it doesn't feel like they're making fun of this franchise, they're keeping it to, they're keeping it true to the franchise. And they're also making fun of the slasher genre. Yeah. Nice. Um, Would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist? But what I want most is a pie in the sky. It has been stuck in my head for the last three days since I watched this movie. Um... You know what? I'll agree with you. I, I like the songs in universe. Not really Let's Buzz because you need the scene to go with it. It's not a great song on its own. On it's its own, funny yeah. because he's menacing a teenage girl with a gigantic drill. But like that one, if there was actual like maybe music to it too, we could add. Um, and then the other, the other ones that they sing, Why and uh, If Only... They're fun. They're boppy. They're they're good songs. Yeah. yeah. I would not turn off the radio if that popped up. I would be like, oh, this is a go-go song I've never heard of. Right. Or Bengals or any yeah. of the other girl bands any, of the 80s. Yeah. We love them. <laughs> not 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 like Joan Jett, though, because these are like more poppy girl yeah, bands. These, these are, yeah. And they're a little more... They're like vacation from by the Go-Go's level yeah. music. Um, yeah, a little surf rock mixed in. A little surf rock. Shady. Yes. We're done with the episode. Oh my gosh. I know. It's so much fun chatting with you. It's so much fun chatting with you. I'm, I'm sorry I made you watch this movie, but I'm not really sorry at all. <laughs> you know what? I'm happy I watched it. And I'm happy I watched the first one too, because like, I've seen these box set, these bo- the bo- the poster, not the posters. Yeah, the, 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 the like cover art chest covers. Yeah, yes, I've seen that, and 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 ev- inevitably the DVD covers of like when I was you know searching for movies in Blockbuster or in Best Buy. Remember Blockbuster and Best Buy, everyone. Um, I mean, Best Buy's still <laughs> around, but like, remember when you would go there to buy movies? Because uh, I did. <laughs> um, what do you have to plug and or promote? Ooh, uh, right now I'm going to plug a little podcast called Movie Deja Vu. Never heard of it. Continue. (laughs) It's hosted by me and by a man who has apparently never heard of this podcast. (laughs) That man's name is John. Yes, it's me. This is the John that I'm talking to. Yes. It me, me, everyone. Yeah. You can find that anywhere you're listening to this podcast. Um, there's social media for it. Most of the social medias are at Movie Deja Vu pod. And then the Twitter is at Movie Deja Vu. No pod. Why is that, John? Because the Driller Killer killed it. Or Courtney or whoever it is. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. <laughs> or or take two. It ate too many Little Caesars pizzas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're $5. <laughs> 
Oh, they were. I don't remember. Yeah, I will never look at Little Caesars the same again, (laughs) knowing that Little Caesar, that little cartoon guy, (laughs) gave birth to the driller killer. Yes, and that is the logic that we're going with for the rest of this episode. He birthed (laughs) him. He birthed him. Uh, And if you want to get in touch with me and talk more about Slumber Party Massacre 2 or tell me what your watch list uh, was for Halloween, uh, you can email me at buttasongpod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at buttasongpod. Uh, What's your backstory for this movie? I would love to hear it. (laughs) And if you want to be part of the next episode's conversation, well, I know spooky season is technically over, but it's um, because... Uh, but it's never over in our hearts. Um, and we go back to non-spooky time, which with an American in Paris. Ooh. Yes, Gene Kelly. Yes, Gene Kelly. Ooh, love that. Shady, thank you so much for coming back on and having me badger you to do this. Well, you you proposed it and I was just like, <laughs> yes, I don't mm-hmm. care. Yes. Well, I just... I just thought you might want a Halloween episode. I do want a good (laughs) Halloween episode. Everyone, I hope you're having a safe and happy Halloween. If you're listening to this on Halloween, if you're not listening to this Halloween, still have a happy and safe Halloween, I guess, whenever whenever the next time is, uh, according to your listening to this. And bye for now, everyone. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone.